0: This is a Together Church podcast, a place to explore meaning, friendship and faith in Jesus. We'd love you to connect with our community. Find out more at togetherchurch.com.au I'm going to start by reading Deuteronomy 6, 1-12. Hopefully that's the one we're looking for, Jamie. Yeah, right, alright. These are the commands decrees and laws the God your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing in the Jordan to possess so that you, your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may be, you may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. That when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery.
1: Uh, it's great to be with you, so i got to introduce, but my name's Jamie. I think I've met a few of you. I led a church plant down at Southern Beaches, and so... That's kind of what I'd been doing, Uh, but the Lord's just recently led me to uh, move into two different positions, actually. One is uh, leading a parish of Howrah, um, Sanford, and South Arm, which covers kind of Lorraine and all throughout those areas. Uh, I've also um, just been appointed to lead a working group to look at starting new ministry uh, throughout Tasmania for the Anglican Church. So we're going to um, have a vision to start one new uh, expression of ministry for every single church in Tasmania. Uh, That's where we're headed. It's a big vision but the Lord's a big God so uh, anything can happen. Uh, Today I'm going to be diving into um, a well-known scripture um, and it's a really exciting piece of scripture so I'm really excited to share it with you. Um, before I get started, let me pray. Uh, Lord, thank you so much that you love us. Uh, Thank you that you've got a plan for each and every one of us. Uh, Lord, we say thank you uh, for your son who came to save us. Uh, Today, Lord, we just say, uh, please change us. As we unpack this scripture, as we... Think about what it's got to say for your church. We pray that it will speak to us as this local church here in Hobart. That we'll learn from you what it means to be your church. And that we'll simply do what you want us to do. That we'll walk in your will. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is a really practical and powerful piece of scripture. Jesus himself said that this scripture uh, is one of the most important commandments we need to understand as a church. So we're going to try and do that. Uh, When I think about mission and ministry, 1 Peter, kind of chapter 2, is where I go to. You know, he, he tells us that we're a chosen people and a royal priesthood, that we're to go into the world and serve this world that won't necessarily thank us for it. It's a tough gig. It's powerful work, but it's really hard to be a visible expression of our Lord in the world, to boldly proclaim the name of Jesus by word and through love and good deeds. It's tough and it's really challenging when we've got other things happening in our lives. I often feel that discipleship can be a bit like that. We feel like we're just struggling and nothing's really happening and we just feel like, oh, man, what does God want me to do? What does he want me to change? Why is this not working? I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. I don't know if I put it on the board or not. Oh, look at that. There's my three points. Did that work? Does somebody else feel like they want to control this for me? Because, kids, do you want to have a go? Don't be scared. I should have asked, but I'm just telling you. Um, You'll find a C.S. Lewis quote there. And I think it's really helpful. C.S. Lewis says this, It's funny how day by day nothing ever changes. And yet when we look back, everything is different. It's a great quote. And I was really struck by it this week as I thought about coming here because I'm preaching on discipleship discipleship that happens in the everyday normality of our lives. It often feels like nothing changes, nothing's different. But as we look back, we see everything is different. We see the wonderful, powerful work, work of the Lord in our lives, in our story, and in the story of the people around us. An extraordinary God doing extraordinary things. Through ordinary lives like ours. That's what I want you to see today, because I think one of the most powerful ways God's at work in the world is through ordinary lives, through ordinary people in ordinary moments, only made extraordinary by the power of God. That's what I want us to look at today. And I want us to realize, you know, it matters. Our ordinary moments matter. Like, you know, God notices the mums that are struggling as they're trying to find time to teach the kids the Bible. He notices, you know, the husband and wife pursuing each other and pursuing God together. He notices when you visit somebody who's sick or unwell. He notices the young adults who are torn between the world and his word. He notices And he cares about the ordinary parts of our lives. He cares. Today, this text screams at us in our ordinary lives and says, it matters. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is a powerful piece of scripture historically that has changed. the way the church looks. It's, it's been called on by the church throughout history um, to form the people of God. Uh, so what does it tell us? That's what you want to know, right? I hope. Well, it's a powerful scripture, and I think there's three points that I really want to dive into today because I think this scripture encourages us, and this will help you as a local church here in Hobart to think about this. It's calling us to be a community that listens to God, a community that lives for God in our ordinary lives and it's a community that is satisfied in God. Ignore whatever's behind me. It's working now. Firstly, let's dive into being a community that listens to God. Uh, As I said, this scripture is commonly known for Jewish people as the Shema. They would recite it every morning. Every morning when they wake up, Jewish people would recite this. And right at the centre of this scripture, the main point is verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And why that's so important is in this time that Moses is speaking this word from God, the people in the known world had many gods. They worshipped all sorts of gods. And in fact, some cultures had families who had their own god. If you could control that God and turn him into the God that you wanted him to be, then you could find ways to improve your fertility or grow your crops or be safe from the dangers around you. Now, we hear that and go, that's weird. Here's the thing, though. I think we can still see that happening in our world today. Because we make God into the kind of God we want him to be. We want to domesticate God rather than let him speak into our lives. The great theologian John Calvin says that one of the biggest problems of the human heart is that rather than accepting God as he is and allowing him to speak into our lives, rather than accepting him as the great architect and creator of the universe, We want to shape God into our own image. We want him to be the God that we need, that we want. We want to tame him and domesticate him to suit our lives. And into that, this scripture screams at us, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. So what does that mean for us? Well, it means, firstly, a call to obedience We need to be a community that listens to God and that allows God to speak into our lives. We need to allow God to speak into our community. Every year at Easter, we celebrate the risen Jesus. We say, God's alive, he's active, he's doing things in the world. Then surely anything that happens in the community of God starts with listening to what he has to say. Because he gets to tell us what we should do. He gets to tell us what this church should be. He gets to tell us how this community should act and what it it should be focused on. And then we fast forward from this text into the New Testament. And God speaks again, doesn't he, in Matthew 22. The disciples ask Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? And into that, Jesus quotes this scripture, straight out of Deuteronomy 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. If we're a follower of Jesus, if we truly believe that he's alive and active and speaking, then we must be a community that starts by listening to what the Spirit of God has to say to us. You see it all through revelation, don't you? Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit has to say. So I want us to start today by just reflecting just for a couple of minutes. Are you listening to God? Do you have ears to hear what he has to say? I want you to just take a couple of minutes now to reflect on that. Just in the quiet of your heart, ask him, come speak, Lord, come speak to me what do you want to say to me? Let's just take a couple of minutes to do that. So firstly, we're a community that listens to God and secondly, I want us to think about what it means to be a community that lives for God in the ordinary moments of our lives. Let me read verse 6 tonight again. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them Symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What a simple explanation of what the community of God looks like. What a powerful explanation of what the community of God looks like. It's a picture of a community that seeks God in all of life. I Remember, as I said at the start, Jesus says this is one of the most powerful commandments the most important commandment for us to understand as a church who does he address this does not address pastors or priests or professors it addresses ordinary people in ordinary times look from verse 7 impress them on your children Talk about them when you sit at home. This is given to Christian households. This is given to us, mums and dads and brothers and sisters and aunties and uncles and friends and neighbours. This commandment is for all of us in all of life. This is not a commandment that's limited to Sundays. This is not a commandment that's li- limited to preachers or... Teachers, it's about all of life. Discipleship is all of life. Listening to God in all of life. Living for God in all of our life. Powerful discipleship happening by the power of God through ordinary people in ordinary times. The end of verse 7 says, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. These are not big events. This is not about Sunday. This is not about a conference. This is powerful discipleship happening through ordinary lives, through ordinary people made extraordinary by the power of God. I want to share with you, uh, and my mate Steve's here and you'll know this, some of the biggest changes for me, some of the biggest moments where I've really encountered God and, and had my heart changed have happened when we've been having a cup of tea around a fire or in the shed. You know, some of my biggest spiritual experiences have been laying in bed reading my Bible. Pretty ordinary moments. And one of the most encouraging moments ever was when I I had to lead a funeral of my nephew uh, who'd passed away suddenly, unexpectedly. And it was really hard, actually. The fallout was that I was dealing in a pastoral way with my family, uh, which was really challenging, and I felt close to broken, to be honest with you. And as I laid down to sleep that night, My wonderful wife said to me, I'm glad God has made you for moments like this. Powerful, powerful discipleship that happens in really ordinary moments. Don't waste them. Don't waste those ordinary moments. When you're at home, seek God together, when you're Walking along the street together, point each other to the Lord Jesus Christ. Love God with all your heart. I also want to add that we must be intentional with this stuff. Look at verse 8 and 9 with me. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bond them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your homes and on your gates. These are powerful, symbolic teachings here. These are reminders that are symbolic that discipleship happens within the family of God. These commands are really practical. We look at this stuff and think, oh yeah, that's for them. What's it to do with me? Remember this when you read this scripture. Hands are symbolic of the outward life. Our social life, foreheads are symbolic of our minds, of our thinking. Door frames are symbolic of the intimate nature of our family homes, where deep, authentic relationships flourish. And gates are symbolic of our public life. Here's the thing. When we walk, you don't have gates, well maybe you do, but when you walk outside that door, that's when the service really starts. This is great, but that's when it starts. As we go out and we be a shining light for the, Jesus the Lord, our Lord. As we come and go, we're to be reminded of God and to be changed by his powerful work in our life in ordinary lives, through ordinary people. And when we live like that, we'll live powerful spiritual lives for the Lord. So here's my question and challenge for you today. Like I said, discipleship is not about a pastor leading us to Jesus. It's about every person building each other up and we're pursuing the Lord together. So let's reflect on these couple of questions. I want you to take a couple of minutes and just to have a look around you. How are you helping someone else to grow in their love for Jesus right now? Are you intentionally engaging with someone with the purpose to grow them in their love for the Lord Jesus Christ? If you aren't, what are you going to do about it? And secondly, Who are you looking to to encourage you? Who are you looking to to grow you in your love for the Lord Jesus Christ? Take a couple of minutes to think about that. If you need to do something about it, now's your chance to commit to that. Let's take a couple of minutes. We're a community that listens to God, that allows him to speak into our lives. We're a God that follows God in all of our ordinary moments. And thirdly, we're a community that's deeply satisfied in God. You know, all of what I've just said, you could easily just go, I need to try harder. I need to read my Bible more. I need to do more in this church. I need to... Pray more, I need to seek God more, I need to try harder, I need to do more, I need to do more. Here's the reality unless you see the powerful, life transforming grace of God, it won't make a bit of difference. Unless it starts with a deep satisfaction in the Lord, it won't make any difference. the key that unlocks the community of God is this deep satisfaction in the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing and accepting grace. The greatest danger in discipleship, the greatest danger in any church community, is that we would be so satisfied in us and so satisfied in what we can do So satisfied in what we've done that we'll just reduce God to be some genie in a bottle that we pull out and rub when things go wrong. Have a look from verse 10 with me. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells you did not dig. And vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Can you see the problem? God is saying, I'm about to give you a gift, a gift that you didn't earn, crops you didn't even plant an abundance of all things you don't deserve. And when you receive them and you go into the land, when you receive my amazing grace, the greatest danger awaiting you is self-satisfaction. Look what I've done. Look what I've got. You'll remember what you've done and what you are And what you've earned, and you will forget, I am the Lord your God. I am the power of your story. I'm the hero of your testimony. You will forget your story, Israel. You will forget your testimony. Look at the end of verse 12. Be careful that you do not forget who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Don't forget your story, Don't forget what I've done for you. See, Moses is reminding the Israelites, don't forget the night that I passed over Egypt. Don't forget the night that the blood of the innocent lamb painted on your doorposts, the entrance to your family home, saved you. If the Lord rescued you and passed over you, when you were slaves... I freed you. When you were powerless, I parted the Red Sea for you. When you were starving in the desert, I fed you and gave you water. And when you were helpless, it was the blood of an innocent lamb that saved you. And you know, thousands of years later, God delivered on his promises and he spoke again through his son. and He said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, the same God has come to you and to me and to us and he's come down in Jesus and outside the city wall, he dies an agonising death for you so that he can pass over your sins. And he says, when you were dead in sin, I saved you. When you were lost, I chased you down. When you were alone and orphaned, I made you my family. When you couldn't save yourself, I came. And at great cost to myself, I saved you. When we see the power of that, when we're overwhelmed by that, when we're so satisfied in God's grace, his word will be plastered on our door frames. His love will just burst out of us. When we walk down the street, we'll do nothing but think, Lord, what is it you want for me? When we're in our homes, we'll listen to God. We'll seek him. We'll hear from him. It'll be the first thing we think about. And it'll be our motivation and our power to make disciples and be the community of God. So I want to say discipleship starts and ends in a deep satisfaction for the Lord Jesus Christ. In a deep love for his people. It starts by remembering our story. It starts by remembering and having a deep confidence in the power of the gospel to change the lives of those around us. I was so encouraged by a quote I read ages ago by Tim Keller where he says, the moment you think, that not every single person around you can be saved, you've forgotten that your own faith is a miracle. It's a miracle I'm saved. It's an absolute miracle that I get to spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Absolute miracle. i tell you what that does. That gives me a deep confidence to look out there and go, Anyone can be saved with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Discipleship starts with remembering what God has done and giving him the glory and saying, thank you, Jesus. When I was broken, you mended me. When I was lost, you chased me down. When I was helpless, you saved me into eternal life with you discipleship starts with listening to god discipleship starts with living our lives for god discipleship starts and get its packets its power from a heart that follows jesus i, just, I pray that that'll be your prayer just pray for all these people around you, that they would just be so in love with the Lord Jesus Christ that they wouldn't be able to do anything but go out and share his word with others. Let me pray. Father, we just want to we want to ask you uh, to come into our hearts. We want you to help us to remember and to see what you have done in our lives. We want to be reminded of those little ordinary things people have done in our lives that have completely turned it around. And Father, I just pray that this community would be just a beacon here in Hobart. Not because of their plans. Not because of the pastor. Not because of the leadership team. Not because of the music. Not because of anything but the power of your gospel. Our Lord, would we so deeply be in love with you that everyone else would look at us and go, wow, they are disciples of Jesus. So Lord, I just want to say, please help us be satisfied in you. Help our hearts to be so full of, of you, that all the other rubbish gets pushed out. Our Lord, so that we could be better at forgiving one another, we could be better at listening to you, and that we'd be better at getting on with the work you've given us to do, to go and make disciples, to teach them your commands, and to baptise them into your family. We pray all this in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.